The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association, where Rudolph Johnson III is our president and CEO, and Judith Winker is our board chair. Our mission is developing children, families, and future leaders of our community through empowerment, education, and wellness. So we are hoping that today's episode and every episode of Leadership Matters invokes some ideas and really helps to advance our emerging and current leaders. So today I am delighted to have two fabulous guests to help us have this conversation regarding engaging boards for greater visionary leadership and support. So I'd like to introduce uh, both of our guests to you. Uh, we're going to start off with our special guest, Ms. Cynthia James-Price, who's the owner and president of Dimensions uh, Management. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. Great. And also, we have on the line Mr. Curtis Price. And Curtis is the president of the San Diego Alpha Foundation. Curtis, thank you also for joining us. Sure, I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, and I have a, um, I could say a triple special treat because we have one of our interns today who's going to be fielding your questions and bringing those to us. Asha Venters, who is going to be, sounds like, Asha, you're going to the 12th grade this year. You're going to be a senior. Yeah, at E3 Civic High, uh, Civic High School here in San Diego. Asha, we're glad to have you on the line with us as well today. Thank you. So I want to start by just asking both Cynthia, uh, yourself, and Curtis, share a little bit about yourself and maybe your connection to this topic. Sure. Uh, by profession, I'm a marketing, sales, and program manager. Uh, my leadership training actually began as a communications officer in the U.S. Army. From there, I went to a, a small business um, as a program manager for integrated systems. And then I had an opportunity to work in the corporate management with Pfizer Pharmaceuticals for over 15 years. And from there, I became an entrepreneur. So currently, I'm working as an independent, independent consultant with corporate, government, and community, community-based organizations providing program management, and business development. My company is Dimensions Management. But by calling, I guess I can say I'm a community organizer because I've worked with um, numerous nonprofit organizations in San Diego for the past 20 years to include the Board of Developers and Board of Direction for the Jackie Robinson YMCA, the Neighborhood House Association, the Urban League of San Diego, and currently I am the president of the San Diego Delta Foundation. 
So I ha- I've had the privilege to work with uh, both large, robust organizations and also small organizations, some that employ full-time staff and some that um, the board actually does the work. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more from you, and thank you again for joining us. Curtis, how about yourself? Sure. Again, I'm Curtis Price, and I'm an independent insurance agent. I help clients uh, protect their financial resources and plan for retirement as well. And I'm also a process improvement consultant where I help manufacturing companies uh, improve their process using both Lean and Six Sigma tools. And then in my spare time, I'm the president of the San Diego Alpha Foundation. We organized the Multicultural Festival held in downtown San Diego. Uh, 19th annual is coming up this year. And I also sit on the board of Pizzazz, which helped at-risk kids improve their uh, grades, and also I'm very active in my fraternity, Alpha Alpha, where I'm one of the members there. Great. Well, Curtis, we're just delighted to have you joining us as well. I'm going to ask um, each of you just to maybe share with us your thoughts on how does it help the success of an organization, you know, or why is it important for its board to be engaged? Sure. Who's going to take that first? Okay. Um, I don't know if you want to. I, I can. You can. Okay. I think board engagement is actually uh, critical in every scenario, whether you're working with a staffed or a non-staffed uh, organization. The board is responsible for setting the direction and helping that organization fulfill its mission. In order to help that organization, the board has to be fully in tune with the mission and the vision of the organization because the board not only provides oversight, but it also ensures that the CEO and the staff, if it's staff, has the tools and the resources that are needed to accomplish the goal and fulfill the mission. If it's a non-staff board, then the board members have to be fully engaged with boots on the ground, with their sleeves rolled up and getting in there and accomplishing the work that needs to be done for the organization so that it can fulfill its mission. Okay, great. Thank you, Cynthia. Curtis, anything you'd like to add? Uh, yeah, um, one thing about the board is the engagement depends on the type of board. A large board, you'll find yourself being a member and looking more at policies, mm-hmm. where a lot of the smaller boards, you're going to be involved in the operations of the board, and you may be called upon to actually go out to the event and then actually help the event become successful, or you may be asked to come into the office and actually perform some of the office tasks or operational tasks. So it depends on the type of board is how much engagement that will be involved in helping that board uh, stay successful. Right. You know, and um, I think there's a, that's a good space for us to pause in because um, sometimes there, there is some confusion. Depending upon the type of board a person may have served on, there may not be clarity. Uh, when maybe I was, let's say, serving on a board where it was a smaller entity, and in that smaller entity there were not any paid staff. And so as Cynthia spoke to, those board members may have been rolling up their sleeves and really doing uh-huh. the work. Whereas yeah. in a larger organization, when once you're in that space where you actually have employees, it becomes real important for the board to kind of shift to where they really um, aren't so engaged relative to the day-to-day operations, but they're right. more in that other scenario that Cynthia gave with regards to setting the vision direction and what Curtis just talked about with regards to the policies and the oversight. And, and we'll talk more, Cynthia. I think I heard you say, you know, the board's responsibility with regards to making sure that the staff have what they need um, yes. in order to carry out that mission. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. 
Sure. If you were to give me an example of like maybe what a fully engaged board looks like, what would come to mind uh, for you? Uh, Curtis, you want to start with that one? Oh, sure. Um, my current board that I, I serve on, the San Diego Alpha Foundation, um, I feel that's a very engaged board. We're, it's a small board. We have a very large um, function that we carry out each year. And what I find is when the board is, is engaged, the board members talk not only while they're at the board meeting, but when they're outside of the board meeting. I had one of my board members call me the other day and said they had this great idea on how to increase participation in one of our events uh, by using social media. And I'm like, well, that's great. The next meeting, bring that to the board and we'll discuss it. So being fully engaged is not just being engaged at the board meeting. It's when you're outside the board meeting and you're still looking at ways to improve the board. Nice. I love that as an example. And I totally agree with that, too. I think it's having a passion for the work that's being done. And um, as a prior salesperson and sales manager, you know, I couldn't sell anything if I didn't fully embrace it or fully take ownership of it. So I think that board members, regardless of uh, the organization, I think they have to take ownership um, of the board and its mission, and they have to be willing to donate their time, their talents, and their treasures to ensure that the board is meeting its functions. And I think that, to me, taking ownership is showing up, is participating at board meetings, outside of board meetings, at activities, and it's also being accountable. And it's doing your homework, knowing what the mission, knowing what the vision is, and making the necessary connections so that the board has what it needs to fulfill its mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if, a, if someone has a, um, a board that they are um, leading or serving on and they want board members to become more engaged, any ideas on how to help to... Um, further engage or get board members more fired up with that passion that you talked about, uh, Cynthia, or thinking about the board, uh, or I should say the organization and trying to advance the organization outside of just, you know, coming to the meetings. Any things that you can think of that might help to kind of light that fire? Well, I, I think that, you know, it goes all the way back to the beginning of the process. Um, if you're bringing on new board members, I think you definitely have to look for people that have the passion, the time, the talent, and the treasures. And I think that you, when you're vetting these you know, people, I think that you need to have some clear expectation and vision about what is expected when you come on board because I think a, a new board member can do a disservice if they don't clearly have the time to participate and they don't fully understand the value, the vision, the mission of the board. So um, if you have the luxury of vetting and recruiting new board members, I think that's good. But if you're working with the current board, I think continue board development and orientation and um, getting them fully engaged. And um, I know that as a board chair, uh, one of the things that I'm tasked with is trying to keep a balance on the board to ensure that, all board members are fully engaged and not ta- overtaxed with um, um, some of the board members doing all the work, but really just bringing everyone uh, on board and trying to get a consensus for how we all are going to work together to ensure that the board is meeting um, its goals. 
Yeah, so I um, want to highlight a few of the things that I heard you say, Cynthia, for our listening audience and that vetting process, being clear up front with regards to what you're looking for, expectations, and being able to have that conversation with your prospective board members so that they can know what they're potentially signing on and we can see how might, how might that organization be fulfilling a need that they have and how might they be fulfilling a need. So it sounds like the vetting process of making sure the dating is clear mm-hmm. before the marriage kind of takes place is exactly. one thing I kind of took from that. And, and I um, also heard in that answer that you gave just an orientation. You know, once that person does come on board, being able to have a board orientation is a good way of actually helping the board member get more um, engaged with the organization. And then I heard your ongoing board development. Can you talk a little bit about onboarding, uh, ongoing board development? Are those the retreats? Are those the workshops? What might that look like? Uh, I think it can be a combination. I think definitely uh, when you're having the board retreat, you definitely have more time so that you can fully um, explore all the areas. But one thing that you, you know, if you don't have the luxury of, you know, doing a retreat um, twice a year, uh, most people do a retreat, you know, once a year, you can actually have um, a board development um, board internal development at each of your meetings, and if there's an area that you want to highlight, you just make it an agenda item. And so mm-hmm. you can just continue it ongoing. And just I think also having an evaluation process, and, and one of the things I like to do is have the board to just reassess uh, what they, you know, their time, their energy, their talent, and what they're bringing to the board. And then maybe having that space where you as the chair can discuss with them how they can be more fully engaged if they aren't already fully engaged. Okay. It looks like we're going to have to um, go to a commercial break, but when we get back, Curtis, I'm going to look forward to kind of hearing your thoughts on that and um, really kind of talk more about some of the biggest challenges facing our leaders with regards to engaging boards. So stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. 
How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Today we're talking about engaging boards for greater visionary leadership and support. Our special guest, Ms. Cynthia James-Price, owner and president of Dimensions Management, and Mr. Curtis Price, president of the San Diego Alpha Foundation. We're also delighted to have one of our interns from here at the Neighborhood House Association who's serving with us this uh, summer, Asha Venters. Um, senior at E3 Civic High School will be looking for and um, sharing your questions online. Asha, thank you for being with us, and Cynthia and Curtis, thank you so much. Certainly. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Now, I know before we went to break, Curtis, you were just about to kind of jump in and add some um, some thoughts. I'm just going to turn it right back over to you. Sure. Uh, one of the things I find as far as keeping the board engaged is not only does the board members need to understand the vision and buy into the vision, but they also need to go down a few levels and understand the actual bylaws, within the bylaws, understand the policies and procedures, and actually the goal of the board, and that helps keep the board members focused and, and keep them uh, understanding why they're there and, and what they contribute and how they can contribute. That's what I want to add to that. Okay, I appreciate that. You added bylaws, and what was the second thing? Policies and oh, procedures. Policies and procedures. Yes, great. So I absolutely am um, loving the ideals that you guys are are throwing out there, um, Cynthia. I think sometimes boards forget to do the self assessment, and so I thought that was yes. a great idea to to um, have you put out there as well. Okay. Yes. So from your experience, I know both of you have served on many boards. What have you discovered? What might be your thoughts with regards to the biggest challenge leaders face in engaging boards? Cynthia? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, as a leader of a board, I mean, there are a lot of challenges. But I think one of, the, um, one of the things that is always hard for a leader to do is to um, keep 100% of the board fully engaged. Um, and that's that's tough, and because you know that you have members that have different talents and skills that they can add, uh, but you want to make sure that they're engaged somehow. Now, not everybody can attend board meetings, but you also want to set the expectation that um, you do expect uh, attendance at board meetings. One of the things that we have with the uh, San Diego Delta Foundation is we do have an attendance policy. If we have board members that we haven't seen 
for the last three consecutive board meetings. Um, they haven't engaged. They haven't reached out, and we haven't heard from them. Then the board does have the leisure of contacting that board member to see what's going on. And if the board member has had a change in circumstances and can no longer participate, uh, then we, you know, offer the board member the opportunity to, to step aside and make that position available. But you really have to stay engaged with the board in some fashion or the other. So continuing to get that participation and also just making sure that all board members take full ownership of the organization and its mission and and explain to them, I mean, they have to know that they have a fiduciary responsibility to ensure that that organization has the tools and the resources that are needed, including the financing and seeking out matching donors and also uh, being a champion in the community. So I think just kind of having uh, as a chair just um, being uh, engaged with that board member um, who may not be pulling their full weight so that there isn't an off-balance on the board. So that's my challenge. Great. Thank you, Cynthia. And, Curtis, anything you'd like to add? Uh, yeah, that was very good. Um, I find that sometimes that 80-20 rule kicks in where you have 20% of people doing 80% of the work. So, yeah, once again, you have to make sure that each of the board members are, are contributing and then be able to have that conversation, that open dialogue, you know, according to our policies, you know, you're expected to attend as many meetings and, and making sure that everyone is engaged and no one – no, just a few people aren't doing all the work. Okay, great. Thank you, Curtis. Asha, do you have a question from our listening audience? Yes, I do. I have a question from Melanie from Ohio. She says our board chair donates about $100,000, and he's rude and dismissive. Are there any recommendations on regards to handling the situation? Okay. Melanie from Ohio, thank you so much for your question. Uh, Cynthia, why don't we turn to you first and see what thoughts you might share with Melanie. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's really difficult because you have so many personalities on the board. And then um, if you have the board chair, uh, I think that one of the things that has to be done is that you have to address members and behaviors that are having a negative impact on the board. And addressing them sooner than later um, is always um, advisable. But I know that, you know, there can be some sensitivities. And so if you have a policies and procedures person or a parliamentarian or someone that can talk about civility and engagement and how we address each other um, in meetings, uh, in board meetings, and be respectful of each other, that might be the way to go so that it doesn't become personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I, I, you know, it's funny, I had a really good friend who was in a very similar situation, and her board chair literally um, felt like he owned that, in that, that board in the organization, and he donated to the tune of a million dollars a year. So do you want to, you know, tee off a million-dollar donor? Probably not. Um, but I think, Cynthia, your idea of having a, um, you know, a, uh, a board development and it could be around civility, it could be around leadership, and, and really enrolling the board into the idea of you have to, you know, you're, we're looking to you to model these behaviors might really help to, to curve some of that um, behavior that may be driving some of the other board members that were also very important in giving their time and talent to the organization help, help not drive them away. 
So, a uh, difficult situation. Curtis, anything you'd like to add? Well, I think you guys uh, addressed that uh, very well. And, and as long as each member understands they're contributing, some may be financial, some may be time, but just keeping that out front that everyone on the board is contributing. Yes. And everybody is important. Great. Thank you. Again, thank you, Melanie, for, um, your, for your question. I'm going to ask you guys another um, question, and I'm going to ask, tell, you know, say to our listening audience, um, please feel free to continue to either call in or to email in your questions to Leadership Matters Questions at Innovisions.org. Um, organizations uh, look to their governing bodies or their boards not only to set policy but also to lead the way in providing some type of long-term strategic direction or vision. What does it mean, uh, Cynthia or Curtis? Um, and Curtis, why don't we start with you this time? What does it mean or look like to have the board provide at least some sort of visionary leadership? If I were to say, you know, my board provides some visionary leadership, what does that mean when we say that? Yeah, that's great. And that's a good topic for uh, when you get together and have your yearly meeting is, is put out the vision on exactly how your efforts is going to affect uh, your particular area of interest, uh, how you're going to be positive effect on the community that you're looking to serve. So when you start talking about vision in the long term, you look at where you are, uh, where you want to be, and then you look at do a gap analysis on how we're going to get there and what processing procedures or, or what tasks or, or what goals do we need to actually accomplish that task. So I think looking forward, looking where you are, looking where you want to go and how you're affecting your said community is key in that. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank and, you. And I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I agree, too. And I Curtis mentioned earlier, you know, knowing your mission and your vision and your purpose and engaging all board members. I think that it is the responsibility of the board to create and review their mission statement and their purpose and be able to articulate the organization's goals and um, to its constituents. Uh, because if the board can't articulate that, and I think, you know, I know that a lot of organizations, you know, put their you know, this is our mission statement and this is our vision statement at the top of their agenda at the meeting. But, you know, we need to stop and take time to go, go over that at the board meetings and not just have it as a byline at the top of the agenda and, underst- and make sure each board member understands that and they can articulate that and also that they take ownership in that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I know that over the... Over the years, you know, I know when we used to, in our field of organization development, develop vision statements, you would say when the organization is fully developed and it's kind of fully living out its uh, desired future state, what does it look like? And we've transitioned that into really saying more when the organization has had the impact that it wants to have on the community yeah. and those that they're serving, what will we see? And I think having our um, boards really think about three years from now. Right. If we are accomplishing our mission, what will we see um, in the communities that we're serving? What will be the product that gets produced um, as, a re- as it relates to or as a result of our efforts? And, um, you know, I think for some it's a three-year lookout. Others might be five years lookout. You know, my my favorite friend and um uh, occasional co-host, uh, Gerald McFadden, I remember working with Gerald, and he used to be pushing for, you know, thinking 10 and 20 years out. He was a, uh, just a natural visionary thinker. But really, I think 
strategic plans, we used to kind of go to that five-year mark, and now mm-hmm. it's more um, customary to look at three years, um, but not necessarily saying that the vision stops at three years as much as really focusing on how are we going to align our energy, what's going to be the most important things for the um, organization to be engaged in to have the impact uh, that we're desiring to have on the community, you know, those that are being served. So um, good stuff there. Anything anyone else would like to add with regards to boards providing visionary leadership to organizations? What I find is that when you when you don't have that vision, um, what the board end up doing is being reactionary, and so they're so busy with the day to day, the month to month activity that they start to sway and, and go off course on on their initial vision. So by having that vision and and rehearsing and going over it again and taking a look at it, it keeps you on track and makes sure that the board is achieving its goals. Mhm. Very good. So it looks like we need to take another break, but when we come back from break, Asha, we're going to turn back over to you and see if you have another question from our listening audience. Please keep those coming in, and we'll speak and say more about this topic of engaging boards for greater visionary leadership and support. And I think we've talked about the visionary leadership. We'll be talking more about you know, how do boards actively support organizations when we come back as well. So stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Again, thank you so much, Curtis, and thank you, Cynthia, for joining us. And also delighted to be co-hosting with our intern, Asha Venters, who's asking questions uh, from our listening audience. Cynthia, I'm just going to ask one more follow-up question, and that is, if the board leadership is missing as relates to having a vision, a strategic direction, if that's missing, what can be done to have that space filled in? You know, what can a board move, uh, do to um, begin to provide that? Okay. And um, I think that you kind of touched on it earlier, and that is uh, forward-looking strategic planning. And customarily, three to five years, um, and I think a lot of boards focus on we've got to meet our goals for this year, and we've got to take care of this year, but you have to do some additional planning ahead. And I think one way that you can do that is just actively involve every board member in the overall uh, planning and processing and also assisting in the implementation and monitoring of the goals and making sure that you get buy-in from each board member. And also to take time to not just focus on our current year, but also what does this organization look like five years out. So you have to set some time aside for that strategic planning for the future. Okay, great. Thank you. Curtis, anything you'd like to add? No, I think that was a very good answer. Yeah, no, excellent. Thank you. Um, Asha, I think we were going to pause to see if you had a question from our listening audience. Yes, I do. I have a question from Julie from Baltimore, Maryland. What are your thoughts on boards that require board members to donate a certain amount of money each year to serve on the board? Okay, Cynthia, why don't we start with you? I would say that one of the basic responsibilities uh, for boards is to enable that, uh, to ensure that the organization has the effective resources available so that it can carry out its mission. And I think it should be articulated with the board member up front that what that includes is just having a fiduciary responsibility in every area. And so in most onboarding processes, that's clearly defined. If it hasn't been defined, it needs to be defined. And, you know, I know sometimes a sticking point for some organizations, but, you know, a board member really um, has to ensure that the funds are there so that the CEO and the staff can carry out its mission. All board members uh, should play a role in the fundraising efforts for their nonprofit organization. Some organizations have a give or get, but it's crucial that every board member uh, has a role in the fundraising and that um, if not, they should actually be able to initiate contact with potential donors or find donor matches or brainstorm on fundraising tactics, but every board member should be engaged in ensuring that um, that organization has the resources and the tools that it needs to continue its function. Okay, great. Thanks, Cynthia. And I'm going to just elaborate just slightly on your give or get, just so that our listening audience, I'm thinking you mean either give it directly yourself from your own personal funds or mm-hmm. be, the, be the advocate to get it from some, someplace else to give uh, to the organization. Correct. 
Okay. Very good. Curtis, anything you'd like to add? Uh, yes. Each of the boards that I sit on, the board members are are required to uh, bring in a certain amount of uh, funds and resources. And, and again, that's, that's either giving it yourself or going out, going out and getting the, the resources. But the board has to be uh, financially stable in order to make sure that the board can achieve its goals. And, and that's going to be done through fundraising and other, and other avenues. But, yeah, uh, resources are a very important part of the board, and the board members are responsible for that. Okay, great. Thank you. Ashad, who was that question from? Julie from Baltimore. Julie from Baltimore, thank you so much for your question. We appreciate that. Um, so as we were um, just kind of drilling in on support, I think we've kind of moved into that space with Julie's question um, as it relates to what, in addition to vision, in addition to strategy, and now we're talking about funds, in addition to, to funds, what else might we expect would be customary for a board to be responsible for or to provide to an organization? Um, well, I, w- I would like to say you. it's uh, your time. Uh, you have to expect mm-hmm. to be there on time, and, and when there is a function or, or they need you, you have to make sure that you've carved, up, carved out enough time in your life and, and the things that you do so you're available. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to, the biggest part is showing up and making sure you're there, making sure you're engaged, and make sure that they can rely on you to actually be there and do some of the physical things that's required. So and not only is it just, uh, just your resources, it's also your time is, is, a, is a big resource, a big commodity that the board needs. Mm-hmm. Great. And I would tend, you. Uh, yes, I would tend to agree with that. I call it the three T's, your time, your talents, and your treasures, and just being there and being present and being the biggest cheerleader for that organization and believing um, in that organization and uh, taking ownership of that organization. So, you know, time, talents, and treasure, making the connections that are needed, um, seeking out donors, um, seeking out resources, and really articulating your mission and your vision uh, to the constituents and also to the community. Okay, great. Thank you both. Asha, do you have another question from our listening audience? Yes, I do. I have a question from Karen from Shreveport, Louisiana. We have dedicated board members get very busy. We too often find without quorum. Any ideas? Uh, They often find themselves without a quorum. Is that what uh, Karen is saying? Okay, Karen from Shreveport, thank you so much for your question. Um, Curtis, why don't we start with you? It sounds like Karen finds himself without a quorum, so I'm, I'm thinking that then they're not able to move some of their business forward on their action yeah. items. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a very good question because what I found is that there are some boards, the quorum are so high, you know, 30 40% of the members have to be there in order for business to be taken care of. So I think one of the things that they may want to look at is what the bylaw says. And may, you may want to adjust the number of board members that's required uh, in order to uh, conduct the business. Uh, I like a low number for the quorum because my feeling is, you know, if you don't show up, we're going to conduct business regardless. So you may want to be there so we can have, have the uh, value of your input, but you don't want your quorum high, so high that it's hard to achieve. So that's one of the things they may want to look, do is revisit what the quorum uh, requirements are. Mm-hmm. Great thoughts. Um, Cynthia, any additional thoughts from yourself? Yeah, and, and I, um, I agree with that, and I guess I would just add that it, we're, all, we're all busy, and it does take, um, take time, and we know that 100% of the board members can attend all the time, so I would say one of the things that we've done is taking, taking advantage of technology. So instead of having 
uh, face-to-face meetings every month. There may be opportunities where you can do a teleconference or a video conference so that someone doesn't have to drive all, of, all the way over town or to get to a meeting or have to rush out or leave their office at a certain time uh, to be there because, you know, not everyone can take two-hour breaks. Not everyone can be there um, with the traffic. So I would take advantage of technology. And, um, you know, there's uh, conference calling meetings done. There are video meetings done. There are Skype meetings done. So look at some alternatives to that face-to-face meeting. Now, you do have to have that face-to-face meeting from time to time, but look at maybe some alternatives and just have some teleconferences. Great. Good thoughts for um, Karen. Karen, thank you again for your question. So, um, Cynthia, that kind of takes us to a space of thinking about when board meetings are held, let's say from a um, using technology, what have you found to be some of the biggest challenges with that? Or what have you, I think the benefits is what you just talked about. It's not having to go there. But are there challenges that people need to be prepared for so that they can overcome them? And make that and feasible. Using the technology? Yeah, using technology, be it phone, be it video conferencing. Are there some challenges that you found with, with using that or, you know, that people should be, I guess, prepared to, um, to meet? Or uh-huh. has that been pretty easy and seamless? Um, it has been pretty uh, easy and seamless, but um, like I said, sometimes you still have to create those touch points. And there are some things where you do need some face-to-face uh, deliberation and decisions made. Um, we get um, sometimes with technology, um, you get some background noise, you get people who may be driving and trying to participate, and you get uh, background noise and reverberation. We c- could hear children in the background talking, but I think that as um, maybe not something that you're going to do all the time, I think that it's something that can be utilized some of the time. Uh, in order to effectively conduct the business and move forward, um, but it does make it a little bit more efficient. However, you still need to have those board meetings. You still need to have the face-to-face deliberation and the decisions made. Okay, great. Thank, um, thank you. Curtis, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, yeah, you may want to be aware of the gender gap as well because where a lot of the younger folks have embraced the new technology, a lot of the older population are still challenge with that. So to say, you know, we're going to do a Facebook or we're going to do a Skype, that may be foreign conversations to them. Or to have them talk in a room over a speakerphone, that could be a challenge. So also you want to take, take into consideration the gen, um, generational gap with technology. Mm-hmm. Great. Good points on, on all um, occasions. I know I've been on some conferences, too, uh, since where we were getting background noise, but it was, it was helpful to have a moderator that was... Um, I should say, familiar with those challenges, and they would say, could someone please mute your phones or, you know, just kind of give us some tips as to what to do to help help the uh, process run smoothly. Yes. So it looks like we're going to go to commercial break, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, hearing some final thoughts from each of our guests. And if you have any final questions, please send those in to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The leaders of today have certain characteristics that set them apart as success stories. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now, you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these success stories every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Great, and we are back on Leadership Matters. Today we are talking about how we can engage our boards more fully, um, get some visionary direction from them, as well as greater support. And uh, Curtis and Cynthia, we have enjoyed having both of you on with regards to sharing your expertise in this area. And Asha, it's been a joy co-hosting with you. Asha, do you have any um, additional questions from our, from our um, listening audience? Yes, I do. I have a question from Cynthia from Dallas, Texas. What are your thoughts on the best way to go about recruiting board members? Okay, Cynthia, thank you so much for your question. And I'll, Curtis, why don't we throw it to you to respond first to Cynthia? Sure, uh, that, that's a good question. Um, one of the things I would do is make sure you look at what the board needs, uh, what positions on the board needs to be filled. And then once you, that's identified, I like working within the circle of, of, of people that you know and then branch out. Referral, I believe, is a better way to go. Okay. That way you, there's certain chemistry that you want on your board. So you want the people to be somewhat familiar, one, with your, yourself and then also the goals of the board. But make sure that when you know what the board needs, what positions are open, and then find and seek people to fill that position. 
Okay, so we're, you're kind of looking at what your current board composition is, um, and then from that current board composition saying what skills and what talent. When you say position um, that might be needed, Curtis, what's in your mind when you say what positions are needed? Are you thinking about skill sets? Yeah, I'm thinking of skill sets. Um, okay. I don't think you want to board with all lawyers or all right, financial too. people. So you, you may <laughs> want someone from legal, uh, someone who's outgoing, they can do the coordination as far as um, mm-hmm. meeting with the public. Uh, you want someone maybe with some financial background. Got so it. you want to make sure that you have a, a good talent pool and you don't have very much overlap in your talent pool. Excellent. Great. Thank you. Cynthia, anything you'd like to add? And I, and I totally agree with that. The only thing that I would add is just ensure that um, – your board members understand the expectations and they can articulate it. Um, I think referrals are excellent, and I agree with Curtis that you have to have a balanced board, a well-rounded board in terms of multiple skill sets and also energy. And I know that as board chair, I'm always looking for and vetting potential board members. And when I do that, I'm clear on the values and expectations um, so that they fully understand because a new board member, uh, can do a disservice to a board if they don't clearly understand the time or they don't have the time to participate. So just be intentional in your recruiting. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Cynthia, thank you so much for your response. And Cynthia, thank you from Dallas, thank you also for your question. And it sounds like really leveraging the members on your board to have some clarity about what the board might be looking for and really engaging board members to maybe vet to and pass to the uh, person who might be bringing the board members before the body, um, yes. everyone kind of brainstorming some of those names and pulling those in is going to be a good method for Cynthia. And it, Curtis, I think I heard you say starting with uh, maybe reaching out to those you know and, and branching yes. out from there might be a strategy for Cynthia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Asha, and thank you, Cynthia, for that question. And I'm going to turn to our other Cynthia, Cynthia Gist, today, <laughs> and ask you about your final thoughts. What might be some final thoughts, lessons learned, uh, tips you might share with our listening audience regarding board engagement? Oh, wonderful. You know, I just wanted to share um, something that has really helped me as a board chair, and that is it's from the Stanford Social Innovation Review, and it's the uh, uh, the function of a board, um, and just 11 tips, and I'll, and I'll try to be brief. It says, you know, first you need to determine the board's mission and, and purpose, and so you should already have a mission statement. If not, then I think the, that's the first thing that the board needs to do is, is mission statement and its vision, and then ensure effective planning. So the board must actively participate in overall planning, and assisting in the implementation. And you also need to monitor those plans. So that's something that a lot of boards forget, is that you really need to do an assessment. Even if it's at the end of the year, you need to sit back and you need to fully assess, you know, did we accomplish our goals and what do we need to do? And also have the boards participate in the planning, the fundraising, and also community relations. Uh, ensure that there's adequate resources, and I think we talked about that uh, a little bit early. One of the board's foremost responsibilities is to secure adequate, adequate resources for the organization to fulfill its mission, and that could include, in most times, fundraising. So boards have to fully participate in that fundraising process. Manage resources effectively. I think good stewardship, and I think you need to let our donors know that we are using those funds um, ensuring that they're dedicated to the use and the benefit of that organization, its purpose, and its mission. Build a competent board. 
So you have to continue uh, the onboarding process. You have to evaluate the board's performance, and you have to continue board development. The next is to ensure legal and ethical integrity. Make sure everyone understands that they have a fiduciary responsibility to the board. Uh, ensure that the organization's image um, is stellar in the community, and you need to enhance that organization's public standing and appearance. And, you know, you're the public relations person for that board. Assist, assess its own performance. So have the board to assess its own performance and then have the appropriate committee structure. The board needs to have those committees. They're the workhorse of the board, and they're the ones that ensure that the work gets done. So those are the points that I'd like to leave. Great. Thank you. And, Cynthia, can you say that reference again? It is the Stanford Social Innovation Review. Awesome. I appreciate your sharing that. Curtis, how about some final thoughts from yourself? Uh, yes, being part of a board is very rewarding. You, you get a chance to leverage your talent with others, and you're able to accomplish things greater than what you can do on your, uh, by yourself. So I would say find a board that shares the same passion that you have. Get involved. Help move the board forward, and, and you'll find it a very rewarding experience, not only professionally, but even personally. That's a great way to meet others and, and other, make some personal contacts with, with the community. So enhance and enjoy it, and have fun. It's not all work. Sometimes there's fun involved, so enjoy it. <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes we have to remember that, huh, to um, really, um, we're meeting the passion, but part of meeting the passion is also uh, engaging in a way where we are bringing some delight uh, to each other. Well, Cynthia and Curtis, um, one again, thank you both for being with us today. Asha, thank you for jumping right in and um, sharing the co-host uh, role with us today as well. And thank you always to our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.